Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. You know, when I think of somebody who prepared for his journey to heaven without any regrets, I think about Abraham. You know, in Genesis 25, 8, we have this word about Abraham's death. Moses writes, and Abraham breathed his last and died at a ripe old age, an old man and satisfied with life. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffers. You know, none of us can know for sure how much time we have on earth. Some of us, like Abraham, will live to a ripe old age. Others may be called away sooner. So how should we live each day knowing that it might just be our last? Today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress explains what we can be doing right now to prepare for our journey to heaven. Now here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. It's a milestone day because today's program features the final message in our popular series about a place called heaven. I've been delighted by the overwhelming response to this practical study and to my best-selling book as well. And if you've had good intentions about requesting your copy, now's the time to respond. The title of my new book is Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven. It's a completely different gift book based on my original book, You May Have, A Place Called Heaven. This new book is a book of encouragement for anyone going through a time of loss, whether it's the death of a loved one, or perhaps recovering from a difficult surgery, or maybe going through stressful times. Heaven is our greatest hope. It's not a figment of your imagination. Heaven is a real place prepared by our Heavenly Father. And my book will help you revel in this fact, and it will help you keep looking up no matter what challenges come your way. When you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, be sure to request this gift book, Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven. I'll say more about my book and other resources later on, but right now, I'm inviting you to turn your attention to the final question in this series about A Place Called Heaven. I've saved this one until the last because it's the one that should drive our agenda every single day. Today, we're answering the question, how can I prepare for my journey to heaven? We've talked about six practical steps that we can take to make sure we're ready when the time comes for us to go to that place called heaven. Now, last time we looked at the first three of those steps. Remember what they were? First of all, and this is most foundational, make sure you have a valid passport. You know, if you're going to travel to a foreign country, you can't get in without the right documentation. And the same thing is true when we enter that new country called heaven. I'm not talking about a physical passport. I'm talking about a spiritual passport that will allow you entry into heaven. Number two, we talked about live with a destination mindset. While we are here, we have to learn to prepare for there. Thirdly, To prepare for heaven, refuse to allow your departure to paralyze you with fear. We shouldn't fear death any more than we should fear exchanging an old pair of clothes for a brand new suit of clothes God has for us. Now today, let's look at the fourth way to prepare for heaven, and that is make the most of your time on earth. 
Make the most of your time on earth. God has allotted a different number of years and days for every one of us in this life. And yet we talk about people's average lifespan. You know, before the flood, people lived much longer. Remember before the flood, people lived hundreds and hundreds of years. Nevertheless, in Psalm 90, Moses said there's an average lifespan for most people. Now Moses beat it. He lived to be 120 years of age. And yet in Psalm 90, verses 10 and 12, he said, 70 years are given us, and some may even live to 80. But even the best of these years are often empty and filled with pain. Soon they disappear, and we are gone. Verse 12, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 5, 15, and 16. He said, be careful how you walk. Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. In the Bible, uh, the word walk was an analogy for how you live your life. He said, be very careful how you live your life in light of how short time is. Paul said, make the most of your time. The Greek word make the most is a word literally that means buy up. Buy up your time. Time is a precious commodity. Make the most of your time. Number five, to prepare for your journey to heaven, minimize your pre-departure regrets. As a pastor, I've had the experience many times of sitting with Christians who were about to die and listening to them to lament their regrets in life. Relationships they wish they had maximized. Relationships they wish they hadn't broken. Opportunities they should have taken advantage of. You know, one way to minimize your regrets in life is to focus right now on what God would have you spend the rest of your life doing. But part of dealing with regrets is going back to past mistakes and dealing with those as well. You know, mistakes can't be erased from our life, can they? Have you discovered life has no rewind button on it? The fact is, you can't erase your past mistakes. You can ask for God's forgiveness from them, but you can't erase your mistakes. But you can allow whatever mistakes you've made in the past to be a stepping stone to make significant changes right now in your life that will affect your tomorrow and your eternity. That's the way to deal with past mistakes so that you don't have any regrets. You can't erase them, but use those mistakes as a stepping stone to allow you to change your tomorrow and your forever. Whenever I think about that truth, I think of the remarkable story of a Swedish chemist named Alfred Nobel. Alfred Nobel made a fortune by discovering that you could stabilize liquid nitroglycerin with a compound. And so he created this substance. It was really a paste that came from very volatile liquid uh, nitroglycerin and this compound. And he had a new name for this paste he created. He called it dynamite. And Alfred Nobel planned for this explosive to be used in construction, the building of canals and roads, or in mining operations. Little did he know what would be the first use of dynamite, and that would be to kill millions of people in warfare. In 1888, Alfred Nobel's brother Ludwig suddenly died. 
But French newspapers made a mistake, and instead of printing Ludwig's Nobel's obituary, they accidentally printed the obituary for Alfred Nobel. And so Alfred Nobel had the unique experience of reading his own obituary in the newspaper. And as he read it, he realized what he would be reminded for. In fact, in the obituary, it used the term, he was a merchant of death. Not wanting to be remembered for that, Alfred Nobel made a decision to change his life at that point. He took his fortune and spent the rest of his time devoted to improving life on earth through the humanities and through science. And he created the awards that we still know today as the Nobel Peace Prize. Alfred Nobel couldn't erase his past, but he decided to use whatever regrets he had to make changes in his life today that would affect his tomorrow and his eternity. You know, you and I won't have the fame or fortune of Alfred Nobel, but we can exercise the same principle. Whatever regrets, mistakes you've made in the past, you can't eliminate them, but you can use them to change your tomorrow and your forever. You know, when Paul came to the end of his life, he didn't come to the end of his life without any mistakes. He had made terrible mistakes. He had blasphemed the name of God and persecuted Christians. He didn't come to the end of his life without mistakes, but he came to the end of his life without any regrets. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, as he prepared for his execution, he said to Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course and I have kept the faith. Finally, to prepare for your journey to heaven, Take care of the practical matters before you depart. Take care of practical matters before you depart. One last item to check off on your to-do list before you depart this world is to make sure that those you care about most are adequately provided for. You know, Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah with a sobering message. He said in 2 Kings 20 verse 1, set your house in order, Hezekiah, for you shall die and not live. That's pretty good advice for all of us. Set your house in order, for you are going to die. When I think about making preparations for your loved ones before you die, <laughs> I think about a great couple, friend of ours, uh, John and Sandra Berry, that we knew from our days in East London and Wichita Falls. One day, John went to a seminar at work on how to prepare your family for your death. And John, for John, it was a very sobering experience. So he came home one afternoon to his wife, Sandra, and he said, you know, honey, I realized that if I were to die, you wouldn't know what to do. And I really haven't told you much of anything. So he said, you know, I want to just talk a few things through with you. She said, okay. He said, you know, if I die before you do, I really think you ought to stay in this house the mortgage is almost paid for. I think you ought to remain in the house instead of trying to sell it and find a new home. She said, okay. And he said, you know, if you should ever feel like you wanted to remarry, I want you to know you have my permission. I'm fine with that. In fact, if you and your new husband want to live in this house, no problem at all. She said, well, that's very gracious, John. And he said, and if he happened to love golf as much as I do, I'd want him to feel comfortable using my golf clubs. Sandra shook her head and said, no, absolutely not. He said, why not? 
She said, well, John, you're right-handed and he's left-handed. <laughs> She's seen the look on John's face. <laughs> That's a pretty funny story. But what isn't funny are people who really do depart without telling their family anything and making adequate preparation. The fact is, just like Isaiah said to Hezekiah, you are going to die. I mean, do you understand that? You are going to die. Why don't you say that with me? I'm going to die. I am going to die. Here's a happy Christmas thought. Let's say it again. I am going to die. Tony Campolo says it well. He said, one day you're going to die. They're going to take you to the cemetery, drop you in a ditch, throw dirt in your face, and then go back to the church and eat potato salad. true. Now here's the question. After your family has finished the potato salad, what are they going to do? Do they know exactly what to do? Audrey Hendel wrote about her husband, Jim, who was a CPA and a certified financial planner. A few years before he died, her husband, Jim, wrote an article on how to leave your financial house in order for your family. 1 Timothy 5.8 was the basis for his article. Paul said, if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You know, men especially, providing for your household means more than earning a living and making sure they have their needs while you're alive. It means making sure they're cared for after, they, after you're dead so that they know exactly what to do. In that article, Jim Hendel advised that husbands or families put together a notebook that contains the vital information your loved ones are going to need when you go, listing bank accounts, investments, passwords to computers, information about your obituary, what you would like them to remember, any ideas you have about your memorial service. So that when your family is overcome with grief, they won't be in a panic trying to find things and make important decisions. Jim Hendel died and he left such a notebook for his wife, Audrey. She said she took that notebook into their attorney. He looked through this and said, I have never seen anything like this before. Audrey wrote, my husband Jim demonstrated love, godly character and integrity by leaving a part of himself in this book. I have never felt abandoned or insecure. My husband took good care of us in his life and is still taking care of us in his death. Do that for your family. You won't regret it. By the way, do you know the most foundational thing you can do to set your house in order for your departure? Make sure you have a will. Did you know 64% of Americans have no will? 64%. Guess what? If you die without a will, you don't get to say what happens to your money. You know who determines what happens to your money? It's not your family either. The government tells you what's going to happen to your money when you die. Either by state regulation and law or by the federal income tax code. Does anybody here want the government telling your family what to do with your money? That's why you need a will. And by the way, make sure that will reflects your values. You know, when my dad uh, 
was preparing to die, he wrote out his will. In fact, Doug, your dad, Jack, uh, was instrumental in helping him compose his will. And my dad said, this will is my last will and testimony. And in the preamble of that will, he talked about his salvation experience and how he came to faith in Christ. He wanted to make sure that we read it, that the attorney read it, that the judge had to read that final testimony of his faith in Christ. But in that will, he not only used words to express what really mattered to him, he did it in what he left behind. And a part of his estate was left to this church that had been so instrumental in his life, his family's life, and in which all three of his kids had come to faith in Christ as well. Make out a will. And when you make that will out, don't forget the church. It's your last way of making sure some of what you've accumulated goes on and on and on and on for eternity. Set your house in order. You know, when I think of somebody who prepared for his journey to heaven without any regrets, I think about Abraham. You know, in Genesis 25, 8, we have this word about Abraham's death. Moses writes, and Abraham breathed at his last and died at a ripe old age, an old man and satisfied with life. And he was gathered to his people. Amy, I want you to think about that as an epitaph for my headstone, because that's really a great one, isn't it? Died at a ripe old age, satisfied with life. Abraham was satisfied. He was content. He had no regrets about his past. <laughs> Not that he didn't make any mistakes. He made some humongous mistakes, but he knew they had been forgiven by God. He died satisfied without regrets when it came to his children. He had successfully passed on his faith to his children and to his grandchildren. And he died satisfied about his future. He knew he was headed to be gathered with his people and with his God because of his faith in God's provision for his sin. He died satisfied with life. Are you ready for your journey to that place called heaven? Some of you may say, well, pastor, honestly, I get fearful when I think about not the end result, but the process of getting there to that place called heaven. I'm fearful of death. Whenever I think of the fear of death, I think of the true story of John Todd. John Todd uh, was born in 1800 in Vermont. He spent the first six years of his life living in a little hamlet called Killingsworth. When he was six years old, John Todd's parents, both of them, died suddenly. He and his siblings had to be parceled out among any relative that would take them. He had a very kind-hearted aunt who agreed to take him and to raise him. So he went to live with her. For the next 15 years, she cared for him just like a mom. When he was 21 years of age, he left home, went to school, prepared for the ministry, became a successful pastor. In his middle age years, he received word that his aunt who had cared for him was about to die. She wrote him a letter and said that even though she was a Christian, she greatly feared death. Moved with compassion, John wrote her back, recounting that night when he, a frightened little boy, was welcomed into the loving and warm home of his aunt. 
And this is what he wrote to his aunt. It is now 35 years since I, a little boy of six, was left quite alone in the world. You sent me word you would give me a home and be a kind mother to me. I have never forgotten the day when I made that long journey of 10 miles to your home. I can still recall my disappointment when instead of coming for me yourself, you sent your servant Caesar to fetch me. I well remember my tears and my anxiety. As perched high on the horse and clinging tight to Caesar, I rode off to my new home. Night fell before we finished the journey. And as it grew dark, I became lonely and afraid. Do you think she'll go to bed before I get there? I asked Caesar anxiously. Oh no, he said reassuringly. She'll sure stay up for you. When we get out of these here woods, you'll see her candles shining in the window. Presently, we did ride out in the clearing, and there, sure enough, was your candle. I remember you were waiting at the door, that you put your arms close about me, and that you lifted me, a tired and bewildered little boy, down from that horse. You had a big fire burning on the hearth, a hot supper waiting for me on the stove. After supper, you took me to my new room. You heard me say my prayers, and then you sat beside me until I fell asleep. You probably realize why I'm recalling all of this to your memory. Someday soon, God will send for you to take you to a new home. Don't fear the summons, the strange journey, or the dark messenger of death. God can be trusted to do as much for you as you were kind enough to do for me so many years ago. At the end of the road, you will find love and a welcome waiting, and you will be safe in God's care. That's the future God has planned for you. I go, Jesus said, to prepare a place for you. It's a place more magnificent than you could possibly imagine. It's a place where every heartache will be erased and every dream will be fulfilled. It's a place reserved for those who have trusted in Christ as their Savior. It's a place called heaven. And with this final message in the teaching series about a place called heaven, it's time for you to contact Pathway to Victory to request your copy of the gift book I've written for you. As you and I face the realities of our broken world, those things that make us sad and sometimes fearful, we can actually draw strength from the hope of heaven. Get this book for yourself and then share it with anyone who's going through a difficult time. Again, it's called Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven. It's a gift book, and we're ready to send it to you for your generous support of Pathway to Victory. Whatever amount you choose to give, you can be certain that your generosity is bearing fruit. Not long ago, I heard from Rita, who listens in Colorado. Rita wrote, Pastor Jeffress, I have seven brothers and sisters who do not know the Lord. I'm using what I learned from your teaching to give them insight about why it is so important to know the Lord and accept His gift of forgiving, life-saving grace. Isn't that fantastic? 
Well, friends, your generous gifts have a multiplying impact as listeners like Rita share the truth about heaven and the one way to get there through faith in Jesus Christ. Right now, in fact, we're providing a fully translated version of this program in Ukraine. In the process, we'll see thousands of listeners enter the kingdom of heaven. And you can play a significant role in leading men and women to a saving faith in Christ by giving generously to Pathway to Victory. Don't forget that you can watch Pathway to Victory on television. Saturdays, we're on TBN at noon Eastern. And Sunday, we're available on hundreds of stations, including TBN at 10 a.m. Eastern and Daystar at 6 p.m. Eastern. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. Today, when you support the ministry of Pathway to Victory by giving a generous gift, you're invited to request a copy of the gift book from Dr. Robert Jeffress called Encouragement from a Place Called Heaven. To request your copy, call 866-999-2965 or visit online at ptv.org. Now, when you give $75 or more, you'll also receive both the CD and DVD teaching sets for A Place Called Heaven, plus the original best-selling book by that same title. This is the last day, though, that this offer will be made available, so don't wait to get in touch. Request the complete package of resources when you call 866-999-2965 or visit ptv.org. If you'd prefer to contact us by mail, write to P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins, wishing you a great weekend. Then join us again Monday when Dr. Jeffress begins a brand new study on the life of Abraham. It's called Walking by Faith. That's right here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.